Hello, hello. How are we? I'm Jake. I'm one of the pastors on the team, and I am excited to be here with you today to share with you. If you have your Bible, you can head over to Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring one, you can grab the Bible under the seat there and head to page 944. That's going to be kind of our anchor text for today. But before we get into that, let me show you something else that happens in the Bible that I think is just absolutely crazy. It's actually the chapter or the book right before Romans, the book of Acts, chapters 3 and 4. So this is after Jesus has already died. He's already rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit, and the church has started, and it's multiplying, and all these miracles are happening in and through the apostles. And so the apostles are seeing all these miracles happen, and all these people are starting to believe in Jesus. And two of the apostles, Peter and John, they're walking into the temple, walking by the gate, and there's this man there begging, and he's been begging for his whole life. He's disabled, he can't walk, he's never been able to walk, and Peter and John, they look at this man, and they say, we don't have any money, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I freely give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk, and the guy walks. I mean, it is amazing. It is this amazing, incredible miracle. He walks for the first time ever. Word spreads. A crowd gathers. Peter then is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to preach the Word of God in a very direct and, and you know, convicting way. He doesn't hold anything back. People start to believe. And the Bible says that while he and John are still preaching, guards show up. And arrest them. It says that the religious leaders are annoyed because they're preaching that the resurrection of the dead can be found in Jesus Christ. So they take Peter and John and they start to question them. And it's the high priests and the elders and the guards. And they want to put a stop to this Jesus nonsense. So they're questioning them, and in the middle of that, again, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to proclaim boldly the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ in their hearing. And he says, there's no other name. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved. In other words, Jesus is the only way. And they are kind of freaking out. They're going, what is it? Who is this guy? He's this commoner, he's uneducated, and yet he's speaking with this boldness and this conviction. Who is he? And they want to put a stop to it. They want to kill Peter and John, but they know if they do that, they'll have an uprising because all these people are believing and this miracle has happened. And so they settle for just threatening them. And so they threaten them. They say, don't speak that name again. What name? Jesus. Stop declaring the name of Jesus. So Peter and John arrested, warned, threatened, told not to speak the name of Jesus. And here's what they say, Acts 4, verse 19, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. I read some sarcasm into that. Like you decide who's bigger, you or God, right? And then he keeps going. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What faith, right? 
good. I mean, such faith. You hear what he's saying? They say, don't declare the name of Jesus. And he goes, uh, that ship has already sailed. We've already seen it. We've heard the truth. We've experienced the truth. There's no way we can't talk. We're going to, you know what? You do you. We're going to do us. Because we've been with Jesus. We have to speak his name. What faith? I mean, these guys were sure. They had this huge, deep faith, and it led to this sure confession and this declaration. Man, I want to be Peter and John in Acts 4, don't you? I mean, I want to be them. But I'm not. I'm just not. I want to have faith like them, faith that is deep and sure and creates deep and big declarations and confessions of faith. I want that. But oftentimes, man, I don't have it. Right after this, they get out of jail. They kind of have an impromptu prayer meeting with their friends. And they pray that God would give them more boldness. Not less persecution, more boldness. I, I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure my prayer would have went something like, God, please keep me safe. God, please stop the persecution. God, please don't let me go to prison again. I don't think I would have prayed for more of the thing that got him into jail in the first place. I want to be Peter and John in Acts 4, but... I'm not. Something happened to me in 2020 that I haven't really shared publicly. Um, and it just really hurt. And I know a lot of you have been through much more difficult things in 2020. What I went through, what happened to me, it didn't really ha it wasn't because of COVID, um, but it was in May 2020. So COVID kind of made it worse, like it made everything else worse, right? And so um, I am confident and sure in my calling to, to pastor, to lead churches, to preach and teach. This is what I'm called to do. I'm confident in that. And so in the beginning of 2020, I had been pastoring this great church for three years. And God was doing this just amazing stuff. I mean, lives were being transformed, and we were growing, and the community was changing, and we had, we had multiplied into three campuses, and we were about to, we were planning a fourth campus, and, and we had doubled in size, and all this awesome stuff was happening. It was just a dream. It was awesome. And then COVID hit. And honestly, we were all right. Like a lot of churches like Beltway, we tweaked our methods and we stayed on mission and we just kept going. I was getting calls and emails all the time from the community thanking me for what we were doing in the middle of the crisis. I mean, even with COVID, God was doing really cool stuff. And then in May 2020, it just all kind of fell apart. We were as in as we could be. I mean, we had bought a house. We were fostering kids. I mean, we were going to be there the rest of our lives. The governance of the church is a little different than our governance here. And in a period of five days, I went from having the full verbal support of all of those who functioned as elders to being brought into a secret meeting I didn't know anything about and fired on the spot. 
To say I was shocked is a gross understatement. Turn in your keys and your laptop. We're terminating your employment. I mean, I didn't see it coming at all. We, we hadn't had any issues in three years to speak of. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I don't know why I didn't see it. I mean, maybe, maybe I was blind to it. Maybe I was naive. Maybe it's something different with how they do things up north versus how we do them down south. I don't know. Maybe the Lord kept me from seeing it. I, I don't know. But to my shame, I didn't see it coming at all. To say it was a, a shock was just, it's just a gross understatement. Last, I mean, after that a little bit, um, I found out that, you know, there was basically kind of a staff coup. There was a tenured staff member who didn't like the direction we were going, didn't like some of the things that we were teaching. And, and he got in with some, some decision makers, and, and he prevailed. And I didn't know anything about it. And I'd like to think that maybe, like, the emotional toll of COVID had something to do with it. But I was the one who, prayed, who paid the price. Actually, my family paid the price. It hurt. It was, it was difficult. And then it got worse. When things became public and the people that I had shepherded and loved and taught for those three years found out what happened, man, the church is still paying the price today. We had to sell our house as quickly as possible. It's the middle of COVID, like the height of all of the shutdown and all of that. We had to sell our house, get into a, a small rental just to make ends meet. I started substitute teaching just to try to pay the bills. We lost our foster daughter who was 16 and would have been with us for the rest of her life because she was an orphan and she'd given her life to Christ in our home. Lots of tears. Lots of unanswered questions like, Daddy, why, why'd they do this to us? And here's what I'm getting at. I wish I could say that I handled it well. I wish I could say that I was this great man of faith in the midst of trial and difficulty like Peter and John in Acts 4. But I can't. By the grace of God and because of the counsel of godly mentors, one of them being David McQueen, I... I didn't do anything publicly or outwardly that would further defame the name of Jesus and hurt the cause of Christ. But inwardly, I was a mess. I've never been more angry. I've never been so sad. I was stuck in months for months in these Thought spirals, I call them. Like, use whatever metaphor you want. Spirals, it's a rut in your mind. It's a hamster wheel. It's a soundtrack on repeat. But I couldn't stop playing everything over and over and over in my mind, thinking, man, I should have said that. Or why did this happen to me? Or how did I miss this? I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. That's a big deal for me. I was I was down in the depths of some serious despair. 
the enemy was coming at me with all kinds of lies from this is your fault, you're a horrible leader, you're blind, and you're never going to be anything different, all the way to this isn't your fault, you should be angry, and you should make them pay. And I couldn't get out of my head. I wish I was Peter and John in Acts 4, but a lot of times I'm not. Maybe you can relate. So, so what do you do? I mean, what do you, what do you do if you don't have that strong faith that creates this strong declaration and this strong action? How do you get there? How do you get out of the spiral? How do you get out of the, the rut? Like when I face difficulty, someone doesn't like me, I don't get the promotion I want or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the baby or whatever. If I don't, if I don't uh, believe or I'm, I'm struggling to believe what God says about me, when things are very difficult, when I get thrown in prison for my faith or I face a global pandemic, how do I keep from getting stuck in this spiral that takes me down to that darkness, that rut that's become a trend? with walls I can't climb, the devil's soundtrack that just keeps repeating over and over and over. How do I get out of it? Well, the, the Bible, the Bible's not silent about this. Check out our, our anchor text today. It's Romans 8, verse 5. The Apostle Paul's writing and he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. See, we think we can't control it. We think we can't control our thoughts. Like, like my five-year-old, Hannah, for a long time, she would say, well, when, when she was having a nightmare or she was scared, I would comfort her and I would hug her. And then I would say something like, like hey, try to think about good things. Try to think about Jesus. Try to think about, I don't know, unicorns and ice cream. Whatever it takes, all right? I'm tired. Just try to, try to think about good things. Have you ever told your kids that? Just put your mind on good things. And for a long time, she would, she would answer in kind of a panicked voice like, Daddy, I can't, I don't know how. I can't control my thought. I don't know how to make myself think stuff. It just happens, Daddy. That's normal for a four- and five-year-old, but, man, I've talked to people of all ages over the years who live life like they can't control their thoughts. Like what happens in the theater of their minds is some mystical, random thing. Like it's out of reach. What the Bible just said that people who live according to, in line with, by the flesh, they set their minds on the flesh. And those who live according to, in, by the Spirit, they set their minds on the Spirit. So it's not random. And maybe the Spirit and the flesh, these words, maybe they're a little too religious or ambiguous for you. Well, you'll... I think you'll understand the words he uses in the next verse. Verse 6, he says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Death and life. Every person, no matter background, philosophy, religion, every single person who's ever lived wants life. 
Even people who seek death seek it because they think it's a release. Life to them feels like death, so they think death will feel like life. Even they're seeking life in the end. They're just mixed up. Every person wants life. There's not one person, when it comes down to it, who really wants death. And if you'll just, if you'll just think about this for just a beat, you know this to be true. You know Romans 8, 5, and 6. You have lived this out. You know it's true. You've experienced these thought spirals into darkness, the ruts and the soundtracks. You've experienced that, and you know it feels like death. You probably have like a visceral reaction just thinking about it. And you've no doubt if you're a Christ follower, experienced the opposite, kind of the upward spiral to life, to peace, a mental exhale, calming, no anxiety, even for if it's just for a, a fleeting moment. You've experienced this, Romans 8, 5, and 6, haven't you? But, but to this point, maybe it's hard to figure out how to get to one and not the other. How do you get to life and avoid the death? How do you do that? Well, here's a tension I want you to think about. Our thoughts are not random. But they're not automatic either. Hear the tension. There's error on either side. We can't be on the side of the five-year-old going, it's just random. I can't control my thoughts at all. But neither can we be on the side that thinks that our thoughts will be automatically where we want them to be. As if once I make a decision or move in a certain direction, that now I'm good to go. Like I, I raised my hand and I walked an aisle when I was 14 and the next week I got dunked. And since then my, my mind has just been on life. Like I don't even have to think about it. It's just automatic. That's not the way it works, right? That freedom that you long for, you're not going to get that because you, you had some sermon that made sense to you or you went to a group and it kind of synced for you. That's not, that's not how it works. You're going to have to get to work. Like living a life of, of generosity, giving like God gives, that's not just going to happen because you read a book. That's, that's not how it works, right? Living a life of, of godly wisdom, you're not going to get there because you think it's possible. Getting out of that rut, that, that spiral, that thought spiral of lust that you are stuck in every single day. That's not just going to happen because you know lust is a sin. It's going to take some work, right? Our thoughts are not random, but they're not automatic either. We set our minds on life or death. And to do nothing is to choose death. Because we are naturally sinful, because we have this sin nature. If you let it go, it goes to death. It goes on the side of the flesh because of our sin nature. Listen, beloved, our, our minds are not as linear as we pretend they are. Our minds are, it's a mess up there, right? Some of you more than others. But it's a mess up there. We think of our minds as kind of this linear thing, like this, like it's a flow chart, like this. Like we have beliefs, and those lead to thoughts, and thoughts lead to work, words and actions. And so we're good. As long as we believe something, then check. We've got our thoughts and our words and our actions. And that's a nice idea. It's just not true. It doesn't happen. At least it doesn't happen automatically, right? 
Does your, do your beliefs affect your thoughts and affect your words and actions? Absolutely. But it doesn't happen automatically, and it doesn't happen every single time. It's a mess up there. The truth is that your words and actions actually affect your thoughts also. Your thoughts affect your beliefs. Sometimes your beliefs skip your brain and go right out of your mouth. Have you ever had that happen? You're like, why would you say that? I don't know. It just happened. Why'd you do that? I don't know. Just happened. That's because you have a deeply held belief that skipped, deeply held belief that skipped your mind and came right out of your mouth. Even our words and actions sometimes will skip our thoughts. We don't even have to think about it. Something happens to us or through us, and it just immediately creates this belief. You don't even have to think about it. It just does it. This is how it actually works, all different ways. Hear the tension. Not random, but not automatic either. It's not even cyclical. And it's definitely not linear, right? So what do we do? I mean, what, what do we do with this? If this, is, if this is true, how do we do this? How do we get out of the, the thought spirals and the ruts and turn off the soundtracks? How do we set our minds, with this in mind, how do we set our minds on life? Well, well, think about this. Peter and John in front of the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin says, don't speak the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answer with this declaration of faith. I can't help but speak in the name of Jesus because of what I believe. So on one hand, this is absolutely true. What I believe deeply I think about regularly, and I declare boldly. What I believe deeply, I think regularly, and I declare boldly. When you're convinced of a truth, it affects your thoughts, your words, your actions, your life. Have you ever had a friend or a family member who just wouldn't shut up about something? Have you, if you don't have those, it's you. Okay, you're that person. Okay, and somebody next to you is going, I told you. I told you. No, but have you ever had those people who just won't stop talking about something? Why did it? It's because they believe it, right? Like, like essential oil people. I'm not, I'm not talking about people who use essential oils. I'm just talking about people who think that essential oils are the cure to every ailment because they're made in heaven by angels. I'm talking about those people. Who are like, oh, you got, a, you got a headache? Just take some lavender. You'll be fine. Oh, you, you're stressed? Just breathe in some Roman chamomile and you'll be good to go. Zombie apocalypse? Try hyssop. <laughs> you got a rebellious child? I got some helichrysum that'll take the hell right out of that kid. Just sprinkle it on daily. Right? You ever, you ever talk to these people? Why do they say it? Why do they want it? They shut up about it. Because they believe it deeply. This is John and Peter in Acts 4. They believe it deeply, so deeply that they can't help but speak about it. You do what you're want, you want to do, Sanhedrin. I know you got power and I know you're big and scary, but I can't help it. I can't even stop. I believe in Jesus so much that I've got to keep talking about him. I believe him. 
I believe in what I believe deeply. I think about regularly and I declare boldly. So spend time dwelling on the truth of God. This is true, so that means we need to do this. Dwell on the truth of God. Ask yourself, do you really believe it? What do you believe deeply? What do you believe deeply? Do you, what do you believe deeply about yourself? About Jesus? What do I believe deeply about my purpose and my mission on earth? By the way, I use some essential oils, so... Don't send me an angry email unless there's a link to free essential oils. Then I'll, then I'll accept your um, angry email from the message. No, but belief affects our thoughts, and our thoughts affect our words. That's true. But on the other hand, I want to talk to you about something that I really think is huge. And I think if, if we'll get it, if we'll really get it tonight, if we'll really get it today, if, if God will allow us to really get what I'm going to unpack, I, I, I believe that it will pay huge dividends in the war that's happening in our minds for our souls. I believe it's, gonna, it's huge. Because maybe you can't get there. Maybe you're trying to have faith. Maybe you're trying to believe. Maybe you're trying to have that conviction, but you just can't. Maybe you're like me, I want to be John and Peter, but I'm just not. You want to set your mind on life, but you can't make it happen. Well, listen to this. What I declare boldly changes what I think regularly and determines what I believe deeply. Think about that for a second. Let it sink in. Do your deeply held beliefs affect your thoughts and affect your words? Absolutely. But this is true too. What I speak changes what I think and determines what I believe. I want to be like Peter and John in Acts 4. But sometimes I just can't get there. I can't get to that place of faith. But there's another guy in the Bible, another man of faith, a man after God's own heart. And he had some troubles believing what he knew to be true. So you know what he did? He just started to declare it, even though he didn't believe it. He started to declare it over himself. It's David in 1 Samuel 30 Verse 6, it says this, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Some of you are distressed. Man, things have been hard. Hopefully nobody's going to stone you, all right? But it's bad. You don't know what to do. Look at what David did. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself. He spoke boldly to himself. I don't know what he said. Maybe he was like, David, don't you remember? David, don't you remember how, how man, we were just, a, I was just a shepherd boy and known a nothing shepherd boy. And I showed up at the battlefield and there was this huge giant and everybody was frozen. And I stepped out and God spoke through me and I called him an uncircumcised Philistine. And then I grabbed a rock, a rock, David. And God gave me the victory. Don't you remember? I don't know what he said, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. He spoke boldly to himself. What was he doing? 
He was setting his mind on the things of the Spirit, setting his mind on life. He knew that what he declared boldly would change what he thought regularly and determine what he would believe. Your words, your words have power. Not just when you speak them over other people, but when you speak them over yourself. Proverbs 18 says that there's death and life in the power of the tongue. Don't miss this connection. Romans 8 just said that you need to set your mind on life and not death. And now Proverbs 18 is saying that the power of that life and death is in your words. What I declare boldly changes what I think regularly and determines what I believe deeply. So declare life and truth. Listen. Some bad stuff happened to me in 2020. And I know some bad stuff happened to you too. It, it just did. I wish I could say I'm completely over it, but I'm just not. I still feel sad at what was taken, angry at those who took it, disappointed in myself for letting it happen. I still find myself falling into those thought spirals that, lead to that dark place where I was consumed for months. But I want to share what God has taught me through that. I've shared this with just a few people, and I was actually talking to my son Xavier about it just a couple weeks ago. Back when I was stuck in those spirals, and I couldn't go to sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't stop thinking about all of this and all that had happened, replaying it over and over and over in my head, and worse thoughts than that, I had to do something. And so I asked God to help me force myself out of these spirals when I would get into them. So I would feel myself going into this spiral in my mind, and I would have to force myself out. I asked God to help me with that. And so here's what I would do. I would feel myself going into this spiral, and I would say out loud, I'm out. I'm out. So I'd feel myself thinking about the past and what was going on, and I'd be going to this dark place, and I'd say, I'm out. And then I would declare something over myself, over my mind. Like, I can't help what happened in the past, but I know that God has a plan for my future, and I know that what he began in me, he is going to finish, and I know that Genesis 50 says that what they meant for evil, God will turn to good. Are you tracking with me? And I'd move on to something else, and listen, when I started this, I wasn't that great at it. I didn't catch it soon enough. It didn't last very long. But over time, as I kept doing it, I started to catch myself sooner, and I started to last longer. I wish I could say I'm completely out of it. But I'm not. I still, I still have moments. Things trigger me or whatever, and I can't, I can't help it. I get into this spiral, but I'm happy to say by the grace of God, it doesn't happen very often. And when I get into that spiral, within 60 seconds, I'm able to say, I'm out. Declare God's truth over my life and move on. I call it the I'm out principle. I know it's very clever. It's very clever. But now you know, if you see me in the grocery store, like going down the aisle, I'm like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. You'll be like... You know what I'm doing. You can pray for me, all right? You can pray. That's that guy. That's the I'm out principle. He's on aisle 13. 
There's a lot of metaphors we could use here. It's a thought spiral. It's a rut. It's a soundtrack playing over and over in our minds. But you're stressed. You're anxious. You're depressed. You're struggling to believe that God has good for you. Struggling to believe what he says about you. You've got to stop it. You've got to stop the spiral. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to stop it. Stop willingly walking down the same rut. Hit stop on the soundtrack. Use your words. Say it out loud. I'm out. So you're spiraling down into anxiety. You say, I'm out. God, help me remember that you have me in your hand, that you are completely in control, that I have everything I need in you. You're in that same old rut about your self-worth. You're stuck. It's a trench. It's become a trench you can't get out of. But you just go, I'm out. God, help me remember that you love me and you died for me, devil. You don't want me to speak the name of Jesus. Well, I'll declare it anyway. Jesus died for me. I'm valuable because he died for me. You've got this soundtrack playing in your mind. The devil's soundtrack always lies. Always lies. That same old soundtrack about lust. It's just the way you are. You just have a, a bigger sex drive than everybody else. It's okay. You just have to do this. The soundtrack is playing over and over. Always lies from the enemy. You're gay. You were born this way. It's okay. You can't help it. Hold up. Whose music is this? Click. This ain't my music. And you declare a truth. I am not my base desires. I have been created new. Jesus lives in me, devil. You don't own me. Get that music out of here. You see what I'm saying? There's death and life in the power of the tongue. David encouraged himself in the Lord, and you can too. It's how you set your mind on the things of the Spirit on life because what I declare changes what I think and determines what I believe. If you change your words, you will change your thoughts. And if you change your thoughts, your beliefs will follow. But let me end this way. I want to be abundantly clear about something. This is not positive confession. This, this is not, I'm not saying you get to just say whatever you want and you get it. Like Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari in Jesus' name. <laughs> Boom, Ferrari, all right? That's not, just because you say something over and over does not make it true. I'm sorry to tell you that. It's just not. It doesn't make it true. You can say whatever you want. It's not going to be true unless it's true, right? This isn't about you making what you want happen, happen. This isn't about positive thinking or the power of your will. This is about lining up with God's will. This is about his spirit, lining up with his spirit. So look at our, our anchor text one more time. Okay, Romans 8, starting in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. We're not setting our mind on positive thinking or what we want. We're setting our mind on the spirit. Then look at what it says in verse 11 couple verses down. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So he goes, set your mind on the spirit. The spirit is life and peace. And it's the spirit living in you that makes this possible. So you have to lean into him. So in Acts 4, the Sanhedrin said, don't speak the name of Jesus. So you're stuck in this thought spiral leading to anxiety and worry and defeat and despair. The devil wants to keep you occupied so you won't speak the name of Jesus. The devil doesn't care if you speak your own name, enact your own will. He doesn't care if you lean on your own strength. As long as you don't declare the name of Jesus and lean into the Spirit, there is power in the Spirit, freedom in the Spirit, life in the Spirit, the Spirit that dwells in you, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Lean into Him and declare the truth of God over your life. So, with all that in mind, here's what we're going to do. Get all the paper rustling out of your system. Okay? Rustle the papers, get them put up, Put them in your purse, you know, get your Bible strapped on your back, whatever you need to do, all right? We're going to take a few moments. What we're going to do in the next few moments is more important than anything else you've got going on after this. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to take a moment and practice this. We're going to put this into practice is what I mean. And we're going to allow the Holy Spirit, I've been praying for this moment, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to reverse some lies, to give you some truths to declare. And you're going to get a chance to declare those truths and see what the Holy Spirit does in you. Remember, it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for who you are and what you've done, that you care about the battle that we are waging in our minds for our souls. God, you care. Jesus, we're so thankful for that, that you didn't leave us abandoned like orphans, but you, you're here with us. You gave us the, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. So as we continue in an attitude of prayer with your eyes closed and our heads bowed, man, I'm just thinking there's kind of two groups of people. The first group is, man, you're fighting this battle and you are failing. You are losing because you're fighting with nothing. You've got no weapons. You've got no truth. Man, you walked into a battle with nothing because you have yet to fully give your life over to Jesus Christ. And so we've been talking about declaring and confessing, and the Bible is clear that if you believe, anyone who believes that Jesus rose from the dead and confesses with their mouth that he is Lord is saved. That, that's what it means to be saved. And so the first declaration I want to I invite you to make is, is to declare that Jesus is now Lord of your life. I'll be honest, there's a lot of people who declare that Jesus is Savior. But not a lot of people who declare that Jesus is Lord, leader. He's the boss. He calls the shots from here on out. So if that's you and you have yet to give your life to Jesus, you don't have to say it loudly, but declare out loud. Whisper it if you need to. Jesus, I believe in you. You rose from the dead. You are my Lord, the leader of my life. Help me follow you from this day forward. 
Fill me with your spirit. And then I think the other group is Jesus followers who are just struggling because, man, it's hard and, and your mind is this battlefield and you've, you're stuck in these spirals and you just can't get out of them. I want you to take a second. Maybe it's anger, doubt, insecurity, anxiety, worry, lust. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, whatever destructive thought pattern, whatever lie it is, I want you to take a moment and just think about those. What is it? What's your thing? What's the thing that the devil gets you on? Identify that lie in your mind and then right now, out loud, doesn't have to be super loud, but out loud, begin to speak truth over that lie. The truth that you know is true, but you've struggled to believe it. Because what we declare boldly changes what we think regularly and determines what we believe deeply. So begin to speak that out. Maybe it's secret sin. You may say, I am not my sin. God has made me a new creation. You're struggling to believe that God will get you through something. Jesus began this work in me, and he will be faithful to complete it. He has a plan. Maybe you can't forgive. I will forgive because Jesus has forgiven me. He's given me the power to forgive. Maybe it's anxiety and worry. I have all I need in Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. He said he would give me peace. I have his peace. Whatever it is, just whisper that over your mind. Lord, I pray that today strongholds would be broken. Captives would be set free. Jesus, I pray that the lies of the enemy would be seen for what they are, just, just lies. May we be a people who boldly declare your truth. Even in the midst of doubt, may, may we be a people who boldly declare your truth. And may that truth change what's happening in our minds and change our hearts for you. We give this into your hand. We don't even pretend to be able to handle it on our own. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power and your truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.